fantastic time of the year, Christmas time. Um, it reminds me of two things, Christmas now. Um, reminds me of um, when we first came up here five years ago. Um, Kath and the kids and I arrived exactly on Christmas Day from, we went up from Queenstown to Christchurch, Christchurch to Wellington, and on Christmas Day, Wellington to Hamilton. It was amazing to see we arrived, no traffic on the road, which is fantastic. And we arrived to a house which we bought, we'd seen once, and after that we'd forgotten what it looked like. And so we arrived at this house and the Lintons were there um, with um, Brad, um, son-in-law-to-be, and they opened the garage door and all of our stuff was jam-packed. All our worldly possessions were, were in our two-bay garage to be moved on Christmas Day inside the house. Um, and, and they did a fantastic job. And, and it also, I remember um, they unpacked it a week before for us um, from the truck into the garage the Lintons did. And I remember Andrew telling me that um, his son-in-law, Brad, uh, who wasn't a son-in-law then, I married them, but um, he is to be back then. And he's here today, and that's why I'm telling you this. Um, that, that Andy said to Brad, you have one job, one job only, take Gary's axe out of the truck and put it into the garage. And what does Brad do? He takes my nice sharp axe and puts it into his shin. One job, one job, and he couldn't do that, bless him. So anyway, I arrived and Brad still had a plaster on his leg from my axe. And so, so five years on Wednesday, we, we, we've been here and... Um, Amazing five years, and we've seen God at work. It also reminds me of, of looking back and looking forward. We, we have this time in our lives that we can look back over the year and see what has it given us and what have we given Christ? How's our life been? Should I have prayed more? Should I have read more? Should I have served more? Should I have I done more? Should I have fellowshiped more? Um, and so it gives a, for me, it gives a real good time to look at my life on the previous year. But it's, a, it's fantastic as well to be at this time of the year to then look ahead as well. So see my faults and say, how can I improve them? Where can I go? What can I do? If my prayer life just straggled along there last year in 2019, what's 2020 going to be like? Can I improve it? Will I grab it with both hands? and be more of an example of Christ to people who I know. So I love this time of, time of the year to look back and to look forward. And, and it's, it's a wonderful time of the year. Um, and to see the kids so joyous because they think they're going to get presents. And um, so it's really great time, great family time of the year. Hey, I know I do the Christmas service each year and I struggled this year. Um, last, year uh, last week, I opened my Bible and thought, what should I speak on today? You know, after that film that I, I saw and we played, it was, I think, in Hebrew, so there's probably only one person that actually knows if it's correct or not. Um, here, I just guessed that it looked correct. Um, but I remember watching it this week, and, and, and I was in tears. I know you think I'm a hard man, but when I saw the wise men come and fall at a little boy, realising who he was, it's like, wow. It just really touched me. 
um, to see that movie, and that's why I wanted it played. But so I thought, what can I, what can I speak on? And normally I like just doing little stories. Like, you know, I got 10, 15 minutes. Um, but I came across, I didn't come across, I was reading it at the time, and normally I go to Luke because that's the big story of Jesus being born. It's got all the detail. But I found myself in, in John, in John chapter 1. And John chapter 1 is theologically quite, yeah, a big thing to unpackage that chapter. But I came across just verse 14, and I think verse 14, as I was looking at it last week, sums up that that what has been, what John has written. He's he's written quite a bit in the 13 verses before it. You know, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He was at the beginning, and all things were made through him and for him and by him, and so on and so on, and it's huge to unpack that. But in verse 14, John just, for me, just sums up what he has just said. And in verse 14, he just says this, the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld his glory, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so I thought, ah, that's the verse. That's what I want to unpack just very quickly. And so I had my five commentaries on John all laid out and read what it said about this verse. And then the next day I thought, no, that's not what I want to do. Put all my commentaries away, put all my notebooks away, started reading again. But then I had nothing the next day. And so uh, I went back to John chapter 1 and verse 14. All the commentaries come out again. And I was convinced that's what I want to talk about. Just the first half, the first half of that verse that sums up all that has gone before, all that John has written before. And he just simply says this, the word became flesh and he dwelt amongst us, and we saw his glory. Very simply, isn't it? But yet so rich when you think of what he has written. And so John says, this word, the word that was God, dwelt amongst us, as we saw in that video, came via a woman to be born as a baby, and he has dwelt amongst us. That word dwelt can be translated as tabernacle. And the word became flesh and he tabernacled amongst us. And we can kind of think of that, eh? As soon as we hear that word tabernacle, our minds go back to Exodus 40, where God said to Moses, build a tabernacle for me. And he told him, how he was going to, and why he wanted it built, and how he was going to build, and what it looked like. And symbolically, this was going to show the nation of Israel that God dwelt with them. And from the tabernacle, of course, you can go to Second Chronicles in verse, uh, chapter 7, and you see that Solomon now takes over the tabernacle and builds a temple. And in Second Chronicles 7, it says, And the glory filled the temple. Did as well with the tabernacle. And so here we have John so richly saying that this word is going to tabernacle, dwell, temple amongst us, and we will see his glory. Just like they did in Exodus 40, just like Solomon when he built the temple, they saw the glory of the Lord, but they were only shadows of what was going to come. They're just shadows, are pictures of what 
what it looked like, but now the real had come and it was the word, it was Jesus in the form of a baby and he'd come this way. Incredible, isn't it? Not a shadow, but the real, full of glory, had come, had tabernacled, had dwelt amongst us, says John. And then he says before that, though, he says, but then he, he, he reveals himself. He became flesh. That's how he was going to reveal himself, becoming flesh. Why did he become flesh? Why did Jesus have to become flesh? He could dwell amongst us as a spirit, couldn't he? And we'd all know who he is and he'd be bright and shiny and we would, everyone would know. Well, there are many reasons why he had, but three main ones, why Jesus had to become flesh. If Jesus had not become a man, he could not be tempted. If Jesus had not become a man, he could not be our example. But most importantly, if Jesus had not become a man, he could not die. He could not die. And it's that last one I just want to ponder, just to think about it this Christmas, this time of the year where we always remember a baby in a manger. But he came in a manger in that way to die. And so as we think of Christmas time and a baby in a manger, our mind should automatically not just go to Bethlehem, but go to Calvary as well. Not just think of the um, incarnation, but think of the crucifixion as well. Because this is why Jesus came. J.I. Packer in his book, Knowing God, it is Mikey Cooper's third best book he has read so far, so he tells me. He says this, the taking of manhood by the Son is set before us in a way which shows us how we should ever view it. Not simply as a marvel of nature, but rather as a wonder of grace. In other words, we see him being born. That is a wonder of grace. We see his life. That is a wonder of grace. And then we see his death. It is a wonder of grace, not just a marvel of nature, but a wonder of grace. Charles Price said this, his ability to do what he does derives only from who he is. In other words, he, what he does, he does because of who he is. Jesus died because of who he is, the God-man the one who would come in as a baby from the Godhead into this world. It's his two famous words, if you like, or his names, Emmanuel from Isaiah 7 and Matthew 1. He shall be called Emmanuel, which is God with us. But also in Luke chapter 1, the angel said to Mary, you shall name him Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. He is God with us, but he is also the one who will save his people from their sins. And so we cannot split the two. Why he came as a babe and what he did, you can never take them apart. And that's why Jesus became flesh. 
It is not only as God incarnate in human form that he can accomplish the saving of his people. That's not only it, but drive a wedge between any of them two. And you cancel out one of them. You cannot drive a wedge of who he is and what he came to do. The word became flesh and he dwelt amongst us and we beheld his glory. Is that true of you? Is that true of me? As I look to next year ahead, is that what I want to see, his glory, as I read his word, as I experience his word, as I see other believers, to see his glory in his sons and daughters of what they do? A true story, and I want to end with this, was uh, there was three men. It sounds like a joke, but it's not. Um, there was, uh, there was a Muslim and a Hindu um, talking outside a temple in Kathmandu. And they were discussing their religions and how similar they are. A Christian heard them talking and entered into the discussion. And so we have three. We have a Christian, Hindu, and a Muslim now speaking about their religions. And the other two, the Christian said at the end to the other two, so what you are saying, he said, is that it's like a mountain and God is at the top. And what you're saying, whether it's Hinduism or Islam, we all find different roads up to God on the mountain. You know, some go up, some come down, but eventually they all reach to God on top of the mountain. And the Muslim and the Hindu said, yes, exactly. Finally, a Christian who gets it. And the Christian had to say, I'm sorry, but that is not Christianity. It is not God on the top of a mountain. The difference between your religion and mine is that God had to come down from the mountain. And he came down and he met me where I am. I don't strive to get to him. He came down to meet me and die for me. And that is the biggest difference with all other religions. All of them strive to get to him. And Christianity is that he came down and was born and lived and died and rose again. Wonderful, isn't it, that God thought of us that much, that he came down from the mountain. And so... I think this year and for Christmas Day on Wednesday is just try and remember that. Try and remember that whether you open your scriptures up and read to your children or just read to your adult kids or your family there, read to one another, read yourself if you open it up. Please remember that when you look at the birth of Christ, he came to be born to die. Always keep Bethlehem, keep Calvary close to it. Always keep the incarnation of Christ. Keep that close to the death of Christ, the crucifixion. And so we're going to give thanks now for the bread and wine and this time of the year to remember him and what he has done for us. It's not just the birth, but the death. And these symbols here point us once again, the bread, his life given, the cup, his body shed, his blood shed. And so I'm just going to give thanks and ask the deacons or the stewards to come up and...
pass that around. If you normally take it, um, please feel free. If you're a visitor here, if you normally take the emblems, please do. If not, you're not sure what they're about, just pass them along. It'll be fantastic. Let's give thanks. Father, thank you so much that we have your word. And in your word, it's so rich. And we've read today that the word, your begotten son, became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And the people who saw him beheld his glory, that begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What an amazing thing that you did, sending your son down that he could save us from our sins, the Emmanuel. And Lord, we just want to take this bread, take this cup to remind ourselves of why he came down, that he came down to save us because we were lost in our sin. And so we just want to take this bread, this cup, take our minds back to Calvary's cross, and once again, remember that great cost, that great love, that great sacrifice of the word, the Lord Jesus. And so from our hearts, we give you thanks in the Saviour's precious name. Amen.